Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. Good evening, and tonight's episode is uh, Being a No Place for Hate School. And I'd like to start out by sharing from a book that's called Educating Everybody's Children, Diverse Teaching Strategies for Diverse Learners. And this was put out through uh, ASCD, and it's various authors, so I don't have anything author-wise to give you besides, I mean, it's written by a lot of different people throughout the the inside, and a lot of things are referenced. But I, I want to share a few spots to kind of set the tone for what we're talking about. And this is a section uh, section from the book called Barriers to Good Instruction, and it's Attitudes and Beliefs, uh, Racism and Prejudice. Uh, Despite much progress in U.S. society during the past few decades, racism and prejudice are still ugly realities in all sectors of American life, including education. Today, racism may be less overt and virulent than in the past, but its effects can still greatly harm minority students. In fact, subtle, insidious forms of racism may be even more harmful to young people than are more blatant forms. Prejudice against the poor or whatever race or ethnicity is another force that works against the academic achievement of disadvantaged students. For example, some teachers of poor students don't let them take materials home out of fear that the materials will never be returned. Yet these same students tend to be very proud of taking materials home and are generally exceedingly careful to return them. And I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Um, Obviously, teachers must avoid discriminating consciously or unconsciously against students because of their racial, ethnic, or socioeconomic backgrounds. Such discrimination can be as blatant as imposing harsher discipline on minority students or as subtle as lowering expectations for poor children because they have difficult home lives. Teachers must be aware that they see students' behavior through the lens of their own culture. They must carefully examine their own attitudes and beliefs and behaviors to be sure that they are not imposing a double standard. Most important, they must believe sincerely and completely that all children can learn. It sounds like a lot of uh, mission and vision statements, doesn't it, Uh, about all children being able to learn. And then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit again. Um, Let's see. Lack of understanding of cultural differences is the subheading here. Teachers sometimes misinterpret the behaviors of poor and minority students because they do not understand the cultures they come from. And then only when teachers understand the cultural backgrounds of their students can they avoid this kind of culture class. So learning to see outside of your lens is extremely important. And um, because I came from a district that was about approximately 78% free and reduced lunch as an average, it, it was important to implement into our PBIS, or our positive behavior intervention supports, uh, things that would help uh, staff and students to understand each other and develop more empathy towards each other's and each other and to see beyond their own lenses, so to speak. And the schools, the first school I was in for 10 years as a principal, I think I've told you before, was 89, 90% free and reduced lunch, so a very high poverty population. So this was needed. And then the next uh, focus school, the two versions I was in and moved, uh, it basically was about 60 to 65% free and reduced lunch. So it was extremely important to ingrain that. And one of the ways we did this was by becoming a no place for hate school. And this can be done through the Anti-Defamation League, a great organization that I was a part of and um, got hooked up with as I started my tenure as a focus school principal. 
So in my last 11 years as a principal, um, and I learned a lot by by looking at their organization and at the things that they were trying to promote. And through my last two buildings, um, we became No Place for Hate Schools. And it started by doing a pledge. I mean, there's a pledge that you do as a school, and the kids do the pledge. And I think you may remember from my my uh, pledge of of the students that they had, I had them do in the morning, that they did every morning. It had a piece of this No Place for Hate pledge in that. And the actual No Place for Hate pledge, you do a promise as a school, and then you get the kids on board and have them all sign it as classrooms. And I had sign-up sheets for every classroom, and I did this every year, the beginning of every year. And then I had uh, parents sign it during open house and during conference time. And, and then I had it done again, uh, second round, however we needed to, to get everybody on board. And uh, we did it through staff. I had it in the staff lounge, and I had it by the staff mailboxes. So all of our staff did this too. And it's a it's a resolution of respect. And there's a a more serious version. That's the resolution of respect, which is better for older um, uh, older students. And then we did the no place for hate promise. And it's pledge. It's the same thing as the resolution. And it says, I promise to do my best to treat everyone fairly. I promise to do my best to be kind to everyone, even if they are not like me. If I see someone being hurt or bullied, I will tell a teacher. Everyone should be able to feel safe and happy at school. I want our school our school to be no place for hate. And then the longer version of that, or not longer, I should say, it's just a little harder vocabulary for the younger students was the resolution of respect. And it says, I pledge to do my best to stop people from hurting someone else because of hate or ignorance. I will try to understand people who are different from myself I can make a difference at school and in my community. I will support my classmates who are being disrespected. We all have responsibilities in making our school prejudice-free. By signing this pledge, I promise to do all that I can through my actions and leadership to ensure, and there's a place for your school name, is a no place for hate school. So, I mean, great stuff and um, great promises and pledges for schools to go by. And I found out that you only have to do three activities through the organization and submit the activities um, as well to get um, what they considered at the time was like a star and they give you a banner. The first time around you would get a banner and then each time that you do this or every year that you do this, you would get a star to add to the banner. So we did this, um, God, I did it through the the focus school for um, 11 years, as I was saying, and I know I had them as a strong partner for 11 years and we made it a big deal at our assembly to tell the kids we were working towards getting one of these banners for our school and this is something we wanted to earn for our school and it fit with our school pride and then we posted it proudly in the gym and then we would add the stars to it uh, originally they had different banners and then they started giving stars that you could add every subsequent year so we started adding the stars onto that and when we did receive the banner we'd do it at the end of the year and we'd make it a big deal and it was a really uh, nice way to acknowledge what the students have been doing. And I would make sure to let them know this is all the work that they have done. So the work that they've done to make our school what we want it to be, to make it a no place for hate school. And some of the activities we did throughout the year, um, like I said, you could only, you had to do three. But I thought, well, we're doing a lot within our positive behavior supports to promote empathy 
and anti-bullying and making our school a no place for hate school. That doesn't mean you're automatically going to be a no place for hate school if you do this. You're still always working at it. And I had to explain that to my parents a few times that we're actually working at this and this is something that's ongoing and it's something we want to teach our kids about and we want them to understand different cultures and different people and how to get along with everybody and how everybody needs to be treated fairly and so on. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight. It's something that we have to teach and continue to teach. And one of the things we did is our, our Lion Pledge that I already uh, had uh, shared with you on another episode um, where we did insert this a piece of this No Place for Hate Pledge. And then we did uh, other activities that encouraged everybody to get along and that fit with the No Place for Hate theme or philosophy. And one of those was reading the energy bus out loud. That was, you know, the John Gordon book so that we had some common language. Um, we may talk about that again in the future. And another thing we did was a No Place for Hate week. Even though we did uh, No Place for Hate all year, we really stressed it during a certain week. And the counselor did this. And we had buttons. And we purchased the actual No Place for Hate buttons and made it a big deal on our morning news that we're giving out these buttons and why we're giving these buttons out and the background behind these buttons and practicing positive behavior intervention supports. We also explained to them that the buttons are actually pins, so you don't want to use the pin to hurt somebody and you can't poke people with them and make sure to put it on your backpack or put it on your clothing. And And it was interesting. I'd see kids get off the bus and they'd be showing me their buttons that they're wearing and they've got it on their book bag or they wore it today on their, th- on their shirt. And I would always wear mine on my shirt and made a point of wearing it every day so that I can consistently promote the No Place for Hate so they would see it. So it wasn't something I just put on during that one week. So I put those on um, every day, and I pretty much wore that every day for the year. And then we had volunteers that wore them too. Uh, Grandpa Joe wore it as a volunteer, as our uh, foster grandparent, and a lot of the staff wore them. So it was something we could do to kind of promote that and to kind of reinforce that no place for hate statement another thing we did was uh, uh, during that week we had a poster contest and um, the counselor did that one and she had it so they could turn it into a yard sign the winning poster and she did turn those into yard sign by using uh, old uh, uh, voting signs and the framework from voting signs and that's coming up too so that'd be something you could do And then she did empathy lessons. Uh, Some of the counselor's curriculum does fit in with the No Place for Hate. So if you're connecting it and making connections with the students so they can see these relevant connections, that's another good way to connect that to everything you're doing as a school. Uh, We gave pride powers every Friday, so that was another way that we could uh, promote the No Place for Hate. In our morning news, we could promote No Place for Hate. And we did uh, everything from talking about it in different ways Um, sometimes giving bios of different leaders that practice no place for hate, but most of the time just giving little tidbits and things that kids can do throughout the school day to practice no place for hate. And it could be helping somebody that's being bullied. It could be uh, reporting something. It could be on how to handle bullying. It could be how to treat somebody that's new to our building. So just all kinds of things um, to kind of keep them mindful around this no place for hate. Uh, We had a kindness magician come once that just connected to our our No Place for Hate. And his whole assembly was uh, around reinforcing the concept and uh, positive character traits and empathy 
and how you develop some of these things within uh, students. Another organization we brought was the Respect uh, organization, and they're, uh, I think it's really Respect 2, and they do uh, dramas and plays that are actually extremely well done, and their actors make points of uh, helping the students understand empathy, and they have some good skits on bullying and how do you handle uh, certain types of behavior and students and uh, the things you can do in a school and then how you can be better as a whole school to practice um, things again that are no place for hate. And Ollie Webb, we brought through a parent that we had who was actually worked at Ollie Webb and that was to our third grade and um, they taught about understanding uh, students with disabilities and not just students but any other people with disabilities and how to kind of put yourself in their shoes so you could see how they go through daily life and how some simple things that may be simple to you may be harder for them. So it gave a good response to getting some of that empathy. And then other things you can do throughout your building are anything from assemblies to things that match up to the No Place for Hate, which you could have your ambassadors doing or uh, student council doing. Uh, I had a fourth grade once do the Wish Tree uh, book and they did talked about family heritage and they uh, did a tree out front and they put ribbons on the tree. So if you're not familiar with that book, you may want to look that up. But the, there was um, things that they did connected to that that um, wish tree. So there's just a lot of activities you can do. And then through No Place for Hate, you can just fill out the activities as you're doing them. And you probably do a lot of these activities already, but they have a lot of great resources that you can use as a school a lot of free resources, a lot of things on bullying, a lot of things you could promote as your school that would fit right into your positive behavior intervention supports and also your multi-tier uh, supports through your MTSSB. So there's a, just a lot of resources through them and it's worth looking at in whatever state you're in if you have a, a regional or local chapter of of the ADL because there, there's so much good information that they give and things that you could do, especially if you want to become a no place for hate school. And I also had, uh, in 2019, before I left, I, I received the first Fighting Hate for Good award from our, our, our uh, ADL. And what was neat about the whole deal, I had no idea that they were going to give me that for being involved with them for so long. But it was more the students that I brought to that event. They kind of tricked me into coming to that, not knowing that I was receiving anything. But I brought a student named Nisa, Jameer, uh, Tavia, and Alexandria. And these, those are good, were really good students and a real cross-section of our building, a real diverse mix of students from our building. And the thing that I was so proud of is I was speaking about the things we were doing as a school and all the things that made us a good no place for hate school and how other schools can do this and some of the things that counselors and principals and other leaders could do to do the same thing within their buildings. I, I loved the response of the students because they surprised me with the award, but it was more the response of my students that I brought. They were so proud of our school and the things that they told me afterwards and the things that they talked about. And I just, it was great to see the students light up and realize that, yeah, that's us. Those are the things we do as a building. And that was the biggest award ever is seeing what these kids actually get out of it and that they really felt like they're really working hard 
to make our school no place for hate and that more people in our society ought to do some of these things so that we could be a no place for hate society. So um, I was so pleased with those students and the things that they did. And at that, I'm going to try and wrap it up tonight. But that was one of the things that we did within our, I guess you could call that was one piece in our large pyramid of our positive behavior intervention supports. And we'll get into more of those in future episodes And I want to share our quote tonight, and it's, One learns peoples through the heart, not the eyes or the intellect. And that was by Mark Twain. And I'd like to do another one. Let's see. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. And that was Indira Gandhi. And as always, keep promoting positive leadership. And remember, culture changes through successful leadership. Until next time, stay positive. You've been listening to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com.